Welcome in. It's 10,000 pitches. My name is Jeremy Rushing, and I can't begin to thank you enough if you're tuning in right now. We've had a lot of great feedback and listenership, so I really appreciate that early support. And speaking of support, no, not asking for any of your money, but uh, you can support us for free by doing a number of things. First, subscribe on any and all podcast platforms that you have access to. A uh, number of subscribers is is huge, and the more subscribers, the better we're placed on those specific platforms. So if you do uh, you know, listen to us and you have access to m- multiple platforms, it'd be awesome if you could subscribe on all of those. Another way to support is by leaving a rating and review. Uh, the more ratings, the more reviews we get, the higher we're placed. Uh, and you're starting to see a common theme here. The more these things are done, the more activity that we just have overall on our podcast listings, the higher we're going to be placed on those platforms. So it'd be awesome to get that support that way. Finally, share us on social media. You like an episode, retweet it. Share on Facebook, put it on your Snap or Instagram story, whatever. Uh, speaking of social, you can follow us. We're at 10K Pitches, 10K Pitches on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I also want to do my part, speaking of support, to get the word out about ways that we can support the fight against racial injustice and police brutality. Uh, this country obviously needs a uh, serious, serious change right now. And I think the acts that we've seen from our police departments across the country have only amplified that awareness that a major shift is needed in how our communities, especially those of color, are protected and serve. Uh, so links to the Black Visions Collective, the Black Student Fund, Campaign Zero, the George Floyd Memorial Fund, and Reclaim the Block, those are all in the show notes, all great causes to kind of help support that uh Support that overall cause. So um, those are all in the show notes. You can check those out. So if you want to pledge your support, please feel free to do so. Um, George Floyd's daughter said, Daddy changed the world. Uh, So let's make sure those words continue to ring true. You know, not just today, not just tomorrow, not just next week, uh, but for the months, years, decades, generations to come. Uh, On today's show, we have Minneapolis City SC Technical Director Adam Pribble and Flora FC Director of Communications Vincent Knox on to talk about Nation Drives, the two clubs I've put together to help support communities all over Minneapolis that have been severely impacted by the riots following George Floyd's tragic murder. And I want to say I I volunteered at one of the uh, local churches, which has been collecting, sending them right back to the community in Midway. And we're talking about multiple square blocks without any access to groceries, medications, diapers, wipes, water, just general everyday supplies. These neighborhoods cannot get those right now, cannot get access to those. There's no public transportation, no stores are open. So they're really in desperate need. So it's important that these people have a place to get the stuff they need, obviously, right? And with COVID already making an impact on many individuals financially, being able to give people a lifeline at no cost to them through these donations is so incredibly important. So please, if you have the means, whether it's just extra supplies in your house, or if you can stop by your local grocery store or supply store and pick up some items to donate, it's appreciated more than you can possibly know. I'm not going to do too much uh, talk. I just kind of want to get to that interview because it's such a good conversation with Adam and Vincent. So we'll get right into it. Thank you for listening. All right. I now have the honor of being joined by two guys from two clubs who have really gone above and beyond to help support the local Minneapolis communities who need it most right now. It's Minneapolis City SC Technical Director Adam Pribble and Valora FC Director of Communications Vincent Knox. Guys, how's it going? Thank you for the time. No, thank you. Um, it's going pretty good here. 
Um, I want to start for people who might not know by just letting you both talk about your clubs, you know, where you play, how long you guys have been around, you know, ways to contact you guys, you know, uh, stuff like that. So Adam, if you want to go first. Yeah, uh, Minneapolis City has been around since uh, 2015. Um, we started out playing in a regional uh, league called the PLA or Premier League of America. Since then, I've moved to the NPSL, which is the uh, in the fourth tier of kind of the American soccer pyramid, if you're following all of that. But uh, we're just a, a local do-it-yourself club by a bunch of volunteers in the area. And we started out actually playing in Minneapolis South High School, so very localized to kind of the conversations that we'll be having. Mm -hmm. uh, we've since then have moved to Augsburg uh, University, which is, again, all very local on the West Bank in, in Minneapolis. So Vince, you know, Valora, also a local club here in the Twin Cities that, you know, people might not be aware of. You know, what's, what's your guys' story? Yeah, um, so I guess kind of going back, unofficially, the kind of name Valora has been around and we've used since like uh, 2012. Um, but at that time, you know, it was really just kind of, you know, a group of buddies, a group of friends kind of got together and, you know, if we would compete in, you know, little small local tournaments um, and uh, smaller leagues and things like that, um, you know, just kind of use that name. Um, and that's kudos to uh, the founder of the club, uh, Adi Bilani, who, you know, originated from Albania, uh, which is where the name comes from. Uh, but then I would say officially, in 2000, I want to say 17, we actually started using uh, the name uh, under, you know, as an official club um, competing uh, in MASL, so the Minnesota Amateur Soccer League. And so we did that for two years and then um, decided that, you know, we wanted to take, you know, the club uh, a little bit more serious. Um, and then, you know, from there, just kind of pulling in um, different guys who, kind of had that same uh, mentality and just kind of that same drive. And then from there, we um, decided to join the uh, UPSL League, um, so United Premier Soccer League. And we just finished our first year in 2019. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. We complete locally, um, Minneapolis. Um, for last season, our home field was uh, at Burnsville High School. Um, so we're in the area. We have a lot of guys um, from the area, you know, Twin Cities. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. And uh, so I was on a podcast recently, uh, the Small World Soccer Podcast with a guy named Danny Kay. And uh, so we had a lengthy discussion just about kind of the role soccer clubs, uh, especially the lower league clubs, clubs play in the community. And while the conversation was more about that concept nationwide, I feel like that's no more evident you know, right here in Minnesota and specifically the Twin Cities. Uh, so when, when you guys, you know, when, when you strip away the on-field competition, the actual soccer aspect of your clubs, how much, you know, what does that community factor mean to you guys in terms of, you know, your ability to kind of give back and, and the role you guys play in, the, in these neighborhoods and, and, and the local community? You know, when Minneapolis City formed, and, and in large part we formed similarly to what Vincent uh, mentioned with Laura. We have a parent club called Stegmans. It has a large presence and I don't know, we have six teams through MASL, MRSL in Minnesota. There's a bunch of guys that said, we can probably do this a little bit more organized, a little bit better, and Minneapolis City stemmed out of that. When it formed, 
at the same time, MLS was coming to Minnesota. And so the kind of the amazing thing is that I think that MLS brought another level of interest to soccer in, in the community, but it also creates a vacuum because the kind of uh, organic soccer following that was going up to Blaine watching, um, you know, former Minnesota Thunder, then turned Stars, then turned, um, you know, now Minnesota United. Uh, there was a large contingency of people that were looking for grassroots community soccer, but at a high level. You know, so we've affectionately called ourselves professionally amateur because we are amateur in that we don't pay our players, but we try to operate as professionally as we can. And, and within that, we've always stated from the beginning of Minneapolis City that community is a pillar of what we do. That, so from the beginning, we've always required every player to, to complete a set number of hours in terms of community service. And we've had a branch of our organization that establishes relationships with community organizations. Um, and then so our players, well, you know, on top of training and playing games with us, giving up most of their weekends throughout the summer, um, then also spend time year-round um, volunteering with those community organizations. In the past, that's really looked like it's been more soccer-oriented in terms of, like, working with YMCA, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, um, a number of different organizations doing free camps and clinics uh, for the community and even partnering with the Minneapolis Park Board to provide free camps and clinics. And then recently with what's been going on, um, we've pivoted to continue to help our community. Um, I myself live on Lake in Bloomington, so very much the epicenter of kind of what's been happening. And we have a brick and mortar club shop that's located on 38th and Hiawatha. Um, so it's really less than a half mile away from 38th in Chicago. And I will say like, just hearing uh, the different things that you guys are doing, uh, it's great. It's great to hear. I would say we are a little bit, you know, kind of new trying to be an established club um, going in that direction. But one thing I can say, I think, you know, to speak to what Adam is talking about, I think, you know, we have to realize that the community members really um, are the ones who kind of drive kind of like this love for the game and really drive kind of like, you know, the work that, you know, I think that we're doing um, kind of on this lower level. I think, you know, Minnesota, especially um, since my experience of um, being here in the last 10 years, have seen um, a very strong, uh, you know, soccer community here in Minnesota, um, um, which su surprised me at first when I first got here. But I think we have to consider, like, you know, how are we, um, you know, providing opportunities? How are we doing our part um, to kind of, you know, like you said, fulfill that void? Because it's there. Um, that love is there. I see it myself just from, you know, my own coaching experience and just playing and, you know, like Sunday leagues and things like that. Like you get, you know, crowds and crowds of people to come out, yep. even, on, you know, to those leagues. Um, so there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, something there and just, being able to kind of provide, you know, those opportunities and that space uh, for people to continue, you know, express their love for the game, 
and for players to, you know, to get the opportunity to still, you know, do what they love is great. Um, and just looking um, into the community side of things, I think that's definitely something that we uh, look at our club and realize that those are areas that we want to be more impactful, have more of a presence. And so that's why, you know, you see the things that, you know, we're, we're doing right now um, to really, you know, get out there and, and try to do the best that we can to, you know, give back to the community that we're a part of. So. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, to your point, you know, a, a club's really only as strong as its supporters, right. As the people who really get behind and, you know, not only support with, with maybe their wallet or their money, but support with their voices and exactly with their showing up and, and, you know, getting behind the, the players and, and, the, and what's happening on the field, but both in the community as well. You know, when you have that support on the field, you know, naturally that support's going to trickle out into other things you guys are doing. And kind of uh, transitioning into that, uh, recently, obviously, with what's been going on, you guys have answered the call and really uh, helped put together food and supply drives to help support those local communities who have been impacted most by the riots and the violence that have occurred in the wake of George Floyd's you know, tragic killing. But for those who might not understand, maybe they don't live in these impacted areas, um, you know, for those who don't understand how much you know, these communities have been impacted, can each of you talk a little bit about you know, what the people in these neighborhoods, whether it's South Minneapolis, North Minneapolis, you know, what they're going through and how much, you know, th these items are, are really needed right now. Yeah, um, I know I uh, currently live uh, right off of 54th in Minnehaha, so not too far. Um, I guess you could say like five, ten minutes down the road from the third uh, precinct, um, which, you know, was burned down during that week uh, when you saw a lot of, you know, businesses um, you know, destroyed. Uh, so I actually went out there myself that Thursday morning. Um, mm. I, because uh, I live right down the road, uh, I went to Lake Street, which is an area that, you know, I buy a lot of my, you do a lot of my grocery shopping myself at that Target, that Cub Foods, and just looking at the area and just kind of really being uh, kind of shocked at just the look of, um, a lot of the businesses or just about all the businesses right there on Lake and, and Hiawatha, um, you know, were gone. And then, you know, out there uh, talking to, you know, a few of the people that live right in that area in those apartments right in that area, just kind of hearing them talking about what on top of, you know, the grocery stores, you know, the pharmacy, the Wells Fargo Bank that was there and some of the you know, restaurants in that area that they can no longer get to, um, you know, then they had, unfortunately, the generator was knocked out. So then they, on top of that, they had no power. And then, so that, that really is really what kind of sparked this whole thing um, for us. Um, and then, you know, even as, you know, that some of that damage and stuff expanded outwards, you go to North Minneapolis, uh, you have a bunch of businesses right on Broadway. Um, you know, that suffer that same, um, you know, fate, unfortunately. And again, still you have some members of that community where, you know, having those resources available to them locally is, is very uh, vital just because of some of the disparities that we have in some, some of our uh, communities. So I think, you know, that was where it kind of really sparked it for us. You know, at first, 
it kind of started out as like us, you know, kind of out there just cleaning up, doing our part to do what we can to help clean up some of the damage. Um, and then from there, you know, realizing like there's, you know, there's a bigger need here um, as far as, you know, the essentials and food and things that, um, you know, these residents don't have and these community members don't have. And so that kind of really sparked us and how we kind of got involved with doing the food drives. Definitely. Adam? Yeah, the, uh, you know, and I've had to check the calendar because the last couple of weeks have been, you know, they've been challenging for everyone for any number of reasons, regardless of what, where you live, um, who you are. The, so George Floyd was murdered on, on Monday, May 25th in the evening. Um, you know, I, I was at, I was at protests the following day on the 26th, and I was at the third precinct on Wednesday, Thursday. I left Thursday as when they started firing rubber bullets because um, it just wasn't safe. Um, mm -hmm. And and so, uh, you know, I, don't, I won't recap what everything that Vincent said, but the, the difference, so on, you know, on Saturday, Minneapolis City, we organized people to go down and clean up. It was amazing to see the response from the community because I think we got down there at like 930. Um, by that time, there was such a kind of a swell of response from people and it was like night, it was literally night and day. So like during the day, you'd have thousands of people pouring into the community to help clean up. And then at night, you know, it became an unsafe situation really quickly. Um, so it was just stark contrast of what was happening. Um, and then for me personally, you know, like again, Vince, so, you know, there's a cub down on 46 right next to it, but the cub target on Lake and Hiawatha and, and a lot of like the Aldi's, all these places are shut down, loss of public transportation. And largely in these areas, and this is what people have to understand, specifically in North Minneapolis and in some areas of South Minneapolis, there is an existing food desert to start where there's not as many access to stores, and especially if you're relying on public transportation, which many people are. The other, the other piece that we haven't mentioned yet is the effect on these neighborhoods that the pandemic already had, which, you know, people were suffering to start. And then you add in this, and then you add in this, right? And so there's these things mounting. So in a weird way, the community response to what has happened with George Floyd and systemic racism in general has kind of been a blessing to many of these communities because the pandemic was, was hitting everyone, but there wasn't that sort of groundswell response. So I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I mean, to see all these different organizations jump in and help um, has been huge. So, um, you know, Minneapolis City, we've done every week or every weekend since, since, that, since that event on May 25th, we've done a food drive, goods drive. Um, we're doing contactless delivery and we're all doing that based out of our, our club shop. And um, I mean, right now you can't enter the club shop because it's stocked full of diapers and food and and bottled water and all these other things that we're getting out in the community. 
Yeah, and, and kind of speaking to the, the stuff that you guys have, have received, I mean, uh, for, for people who may want to go out and donate um, or, or, or bring stuff to some of these drop-offs, are there commonalities in terms of maybe you see, you're seeing, you know, uh, a huge supply of certain items, but maybe, you know, maybe common, commonly lacking in, in certain uh, either supply types or specific types of supplies that if people do want to donate, maybe they should focus on bringing some of these things that maybe you're not seeing much of? Yeah, I would, I just want to, the couple of really important pieces for me are, one, please do not shop at local stores. Mm -hmm. So right. if you're in South Minneapolis, North Minneapolis, don't go to your local store and buy out all the stuff that donate. That's cutting the supply line to the community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I, saw, I saw a lot of that happen. And I'm like, there's literally no point. If you go to the local cub, buy up all the toilet paper, then donate it. Don't do that go, if you're in the suburbs, go to the suburbs, buy that, bring it to the city. Mm. Um, right now, I mean, I, I've gone to all the local grocery stores and talked with the managers. And for the first two weeks, supply lines were cut. I mean, literally truckers just would say, I'm not delivering to that area. Yeah. So that, that, you know, like simple basic supplies that people need. I mean, it's, I mean, and a lot of it's posted, like if you go to the Minneapolis City Facebook events, and I'm sure that Laura has something similar where, you know, we're, we'll, we'll update everyone with what they can donate and where to drop off and what times. But speaking from experience, diapers are, are huge. And I mean, you know, even a huge pack of diapers, that's going to last only a couple days for families. Uh, but any personal hygiene products, non-perishable food items, we personally are taking perishable food items as well because we get those back into the hands of people that day. But, you know, and then if we have specific needs, we update our Facebook event page because we do get specific requests from people. But obviously non-perishable food items, personal hygiene products, um, those are the big ones right now. Yeah. Um I definitely agree with, you know, everything that Adam just said. And I would just add to um, one thing you have to realize, um, and I hope people realize that um, since every, all of this has started, from what I've seen, you know, uh, one, yes, there's a lot of different organizations. Um, and I think the community has responded in a very, very positive way um, just throughout the, you know, the city. And I think that's, that's beautiful and that's great. Uh, one thing I would say is if you're looking to donate um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of different, um, you know, resources out there. I know for us, like, um, you know, pay attention to our Twitter or our Facebook page for kind of updates on things that we're doing at with Valora. Uh, but in addition to that, I would say make sure you check in um, with the places that you're looking to donate first um, because those needs are, are changing pretty quickly yeah, from what very I've dynamic. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, one day uh, as Adam, Adam spoke to like, you know, diapers, baby formula, things like that could be a huge need. Um, but then the next day or, you know, a couple of days later, you know, it might be more focused on hygiene products, you know, uh, different food items and things like that. So I would say definitely try to um, check in. And sometimes I'm seeing too that organizations will kind of lay out exactly when they're asking for, you know, donations. You know, these are kind of like the high, um, you know, high priority 
you know, things that we need. Um, and so like that's specifically what they're, what they're more looking for um, versus, you know, just anything. But yeah, that's yeah, what I would. I would, I, would, I just want to add to that as well. This is something mm -hmm. maybe slightly outside of the scope of our discussion, but it is really important for any of the listeners here, Jeremy and, and Vincent, that do your homework. You know, like following the 2010 earthquakes in Haiti, there was some upwards of $3 billion in donation money that went missing. And it's pretty well known that sometimes that can happen in these situations. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important to do your homework and, and, it, and to see, like, if someone's taking monetary donations, they need to stay where the money's going. Um, and that's just important because, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a white man, and, and I don't want to skirt around the subject that there's going to be plenty of white guilt in, in the midst of this. And the easiest thing to do for many people is to go on and click a button and donate money. Um, for me, I, I'd hope that it's more of a sustained effort to make sure that the community is having their needs met and that those affected aren't being left behind. But at, at, at the same time, I just want to make sure that, that the money is going to people that, and organizations that are using it for the right reasons. And uh, Adam, kind of speaking to that, I know there are a lot of resources out there to make sure that, you know, any, any place that you might be donating your money to, you know, making sure that there are links to legitimate charities and organizations and stuff like that. So in addition to putting your guys' contact information in the show notes, I'm actually going to put uh, a link to some of those certified organizations and charities That's great. Uh, that if you're looking to donate yeah. to here in the show notes as well. Um, kind of last thing here, uh, cause we're a little bit pre pressed for time. I know that Adam, you said every Saturday since the events that you guys have done more supply drop offs there at the, uh, at the team store in South Minneapolis, um, another one happening this Saturday, correct? Yes. And okay. so, you know, you can go to our Facebook, um, and, and you can, there's an events page that with all the information, um, we are doing contactless delivery, and so if anyone knows of any families that are in need, um, it, it's just a way for them to sign up, and we will actually deliver food directly to their door. You know, uh, you know and, and I just want to say, one, thank you for having me, but, but two, at the end of the day, we are a soccer club. Mm -hmm. You know, um, politics aside and, and sort of all these other things, but we'll always, you know, as you said, community soccer clubs need to be a reflection of the community and we need to have a voice and give re the reason for people in our area to feel like they have something that they belong to. Yeah. And so sometimes that's not always, you know, a bigger professional team because they don't feel like they necessarily belong to it or their voice isn't heard there. Mm -hmm. This is giving them a vehicle. Um, so we will always stand for racial equality and just equality in general, yep. because that's not a political thing, right? That's just a human thing. Yep. Um, so we're not going to be a pol political entity as a soccer club, but we are going to stand for equality always. And Vince, I know you guys have said you guys have done uh, multiple drives, one in South Minneapolis, one in North Minneapolis. Um, are you guys do you guys have any plans to do any more in the future? Is that something that's in the works? Kind of what are your guys' plans moving forward as far as that goes? Yeah, um, thanks for asking that question. Um, we are still kind of working out some details on kind of what our next uh, kind of plan is going to be here. So I don't have all the details to kind of give out to you just yet. But when I do, I can definitely, you know, 
send that information. If, Absolutely. If you're willing to share it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I know you guys have recently changed your Twitter handle. Is it FC Vlora at FC Vlora? Yeah, it's FC Vlora on Twitter. Okay. And you guys are on Facebook as well. Um, Adam Minneapolis City SC is at MPLS City SC on Twitter. And then uh, obviously just searching Minneapolis City SC on Facebook as well, right? Yep. You can't find us on social media. You're not looking hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Adam, Vince, thank you guys so much for joining. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for everything you guys have done in the communities that have really been impacted and could really use the help. Um, You know, soccer is a community sport. I think in in my personal opinion, soccer is as close to their community as far as just a, a sport goes. Uh, than, than any other sport as far as just the club's connections to their communities. And I think you guys are two spitting images of, of that, uh, especially with what you've done over the last couple of weeks. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank Laura. you. Appreciate you guys. All right. You yeah. guys have a good one, okay? All right. You too. Oh.